KXNO. Hi, Miller Condon. Welcome back. It's hour number two. It's Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO, and it's time to talk baseball. Scott Dockerman. Uh, from the Athletic coming up on the Hawkeyes. But right now, Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. He joins us as we talk MLB, as we hit the midway point of the month of August. Matt, thank you, as always. Trent and Ken, I guess we have to start with just the d- disturbing Wander Franco uh, story that broke yesterday. Apparently he was held out of the lineup. It was just an off day, which I don't believe for a minute, uh, especially when he had a giveaway with his name on it, which, you know, timing is everything, was only for 14 and under. Uh, when you hear the story, but this is, um, I mean, we don't know where it's going to go, but it certainly doesn't look good from uh, from the outside at this point, does it? Well, yeah, I'm going to tread lightly, uh, obviously, for legal ramifications, but what we know is the Rays have released a statement that says they and Wander Franco have agreed, mutually agreed, to put him on the restricted list, which means he's away from the team, he doesn't even get paid. Um, if he agreed to that, then there's obviously some kind of investigation going on. Um, there were social media posts shared. Uh, I think people accused him of quote unquote dating a 14 year old. Um, that's about all we know right now. Uh, I don't know anything else other than that. Um, you know, there are pictures. I don't know if you can necessarily tell what age that the girl or, or woman is in those pictures. I, you don't, it doesn't necessarily show that. They were definitely doing anything. Um, sorry, that was nervous laughter. Not, yeah. I don't think it's funny. Um, I, I just don't know so far, I guess, is the best way to, to put that in again, to, to tread lightly. Um, but we, we really don't. We don't know anything more than just Major League Baseball's investigating. And about nine minutes ago, the Rays released a statement that said that it's a mutual decision between Franco and the Rays to place him on the restricted list. Absolutely baffling. We'll we'll get into baseball now, and well, uh, baseball adjacent. Derek Jeter getting old. He's going to be going to old timers game uh, time for the Yankees game coming up here uh, in September. Something that's always you know one of the kind of cool events of September. Just one of those those moments in baseball that is cool to see all the old Yankees get together yep. and all the old stories. And now Jeter's going to be amongst them. That's crazy. Yeah, um, it's. <laughs> I understand where they're going. You know, it's the guy, the older players probably aren't great players anymore. Um, the quality of play isn't the best. Guys might get injured. But, man, I mean, they can suit it up and just go, you know, take a few swings, throw the ball around a little bit. I, I, hopefully it ends up, I, as I last saw, I understand it's like just a discussion, right? It's not official that oh. they're doing away with it. But um, hopefully they change course. I don't know. Maybe they're having trouble getting guys who want to play in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always hard to tell what goes into those decisions from the outside. But, yeah, like I- I've always thought it would be fun to-, to try to do it. And they do the celebrity softball game with some former players in-, in front of the All-Star game. I would love to see a full game if-, if they could get enough guys to play. But, you know, 
I understand the injury risk, and a lot of times guys might not want to even do it. So Yeah, yeah old-timers day with the Yankees used to be a thing. Uh, the Cardinals are experiencing yeah. it every five days right now with Adam Wainwright. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's sad to watch him, isn't it, man? I mean, he was such a good player, and he seems like such a good guy off the field. Yeah. If he wants, he's going to march right in and be the number one broadcaster with some network. He's that good. But boy, oh boy, you just you feel bad for him. It's like somebody needs to shake him and say, dude, Dude, it's over. Yeah, but he needs to do that to himself. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's true. the thing. He, he, he's been around the league long enough. He, he's a wily veteran, uh, you know, a grizzled veteran. Um, he's so – when he does the broadcast, I, one of the playoff series, either last year or a couple of years ago, I want to say it was a White Sox game. So maybe it was two years ago when it was the White Sox Astro series. He was on that. Uh, he was already, I thought, one of the best colored men in baseball, mm-hmm. at least on a national level. He was outstanding. Um, somebody that's as well spoken as that and has thought things through enough like that, you've got to have a little better self awareness and just realize that this just ain't happening. And like I mentioned in the Cardinals ranking, uh, power rankings comment this morning, um, if it was 199 wins, I would understand it more like, okay, yeah, you, you've got one more, you can luck into one or something, but he's two away. And, man, you only feel like maybe you could get lucky once, mm-hmm. right? They're yep. running out of time there. Uh, one of my colleagues mentioned when we were socializing about it, said, you know what, why don't they throw him in the bullpen? Because mm. he could probably, if there's a tie game that's relatively meaningless, which most of the Cardinals' remaining games are relatively meaningless, throw him in a tie game in like the eighth and see if he can gut through three outs and then hope that you can score enough runs and then get him a W and then that's 199, and then maybe it can happen again to, to get to 200. It's it's hard for me to see an avenue where he gets two more wins as a starter. You've got to get through five innings. You've got to have a decent enough lead that the bullpen can hold it. He's just not good enough to do that anymore. So we were talking about this division earlier, and Matt, we brought up the Cubs' schedule. We brought up the Brewers' schedule. It is a whole lot easier. And Well, here's some numbers behind it. With remaining strength of schedule – the Brewers have the 12th most difficult schedule. The Cubs, the 27th Jeez. most difficult schedule the rest of the way. When you're kind of handicapping, you're taking a look towards the end of the season and playoff races, how much do you put into that? Because it's still baseball, and there's still things that, yeah. weird things that happen. How much do you put into that? It's not as it's not as uh, big of a deal in baseball as in like basketball or football or something mm-hmm. like that, because in baseball when you look at the weaker teams, it's more, hey, let's go get two out of three, right? And Mm -hmm. you can't count on sweeps. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I think it does matter, especially, like I said, when you look at the Cubs' schedule, and it's not, like, just sub-500 teams. If you just look at the next three series here, it's White Sox, Royals, and Tigers. They're awful. They're not just below 500. They're terrible teams. Um, Then after that, it's the Pirates for four, and, you know, the Pirates could give bits. Two, two contending teams. Um, I'll be very interested in, obviously, the head-to-head, and this could be really fun, at Milwaukee, Cubs at Brewers, last three games of the season. Yeah, so that, if it's within three, then there's our theater. Yes. Uh, right now it's three and a half. The Brewers did themselves some major favors over the weekend by sweeping the White Sox instead of only getting two out of three because then the Cubs went into Toronto mm-hmm. and got two out of three against a, a good Blue Jays team. And they still lost ground. So the Brewers did their work this weekend. But this week, Brewers have to go to L.A. to face the Dodgers and to Texas to face the Rangers. This seems like an opportunity for the Cubs to really, really sneak up. 
couple of first-place teams await the Brew Crew. Let's go to the American League East. We're just there with Toronto in one respect. But, you know, Baltimore leading the way right now. Fast forward to October. Is this a team pitching-wise? I mean, that's always been the concern since we started talking Baltimore last year. But this year they thought that this team was maybe going to hang around and back their way into, you know, one of those wild cards. But they're not. They're they're leading the charge into the playoffs. But do they have enough pitching once October gets here, Matt? Starting pitching. yeah, we're going to need to see ace Jack Flaherty, first of all, on that, which he looked like it against the Blue Jays in his first start and sure second did. start. Not so much. It was not bad, but it wasn't so much ace level. Um, maybe development from Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, let's see how the likes of Kramer and Bradish and Gibson are pitching when we get there. I'm inclined to say no, because if it looks like it would probably be in the ALCS, either the Rangers or Astros. That Rangers offense is ridiculous and relentless, and I just don't see the Orioles starting pitching standing up to that. And the Astros, when they're going, and you know that they can go in October, we've seen it plenty of times. Again, that's really scary for a rotation if you're looking at something like a Kyle Gibson and Dean Kramer being in that rotation. So I, I think they need to see Flaherty look like an ace, and they need huge strides from somebody as talented as Rodriguez to maybe then, if you say if Flaherty won, Rodriguez living up to his potential as a two, maybe having a coming out party in the playoffs, and then you can kind of scrounge together three and four, maybe. But they need a lot of stuff to go right from here on out. And, and again, I'm inclined to say no, they don't have enough. So my twins got a couple of nice wins over the weekend against the they Phillies. Sure did, Trent. The story, though, wasn't that. Yesterday. The umpire? Oh, my. <laughs> so Ken complains about umpiring more than anybody Every single day, Matt. But even from my twins' perspective, boy, that was bad. I mean, the bomb one was incredulous, and then you couple it with an inning later, and then Harper gets rung up there. These aren't even close. It's It leads me down the path. I am kicking and screaming, no, home plate umpires need to stay back there. Just watching yeah. it, and it feels like it's getting worse. It is. And you, so, so the inevitable conversation is the so-called robot umpires, right? Which is the automatic balls and strikes, or reviewing it. And, and, and most people don't like the idea of either one of those things. And uh, I, I would think that home plate umpires, if anything, would be happy to accept one of these things because it is harder than it's ever been to call balls and strikes, it, it, right? Because if we go down the line of thinking that. Guys throw harder than they ever have. They have more breaking stuff than they've ever had before. Catchers are better at framing than they've ever been before. And the framing they do now isn't the kind where they kind of like stop their glove or just move it really fast. They like, they, let's say that there's going to be a ball to the lower left part of the strike zone. They stop, they start their mitt below the lower left part and they bring it up and catch it as they're going up to the middle of the zone. So you just can't look at where the catchers catch it anymore. Not only that, on top of all that, you've got pitch FX or whatever they want to call it, where they overlie the box on the TV Mm -hmm. screen. And if it's missed by like an inch, then everybody goes crazy about what an awful (laughs) call it was. And that was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. (laughs) I think the umpires are excellent at calling balls and strikes with the human eye. It's just so hard to call it with the human eye. Um, that inevitably leads down the path of, well, let's not use the human eye because we have the technology to avoid doing so. Um, I, I have a hunch that 10 years from now or so will be used to some kind of automated system. Uh, I don't know if it'll be within a year or two. That's why I said 10. But I, I think it is definitely on the horizon. 
Yeah, I'm so torn because I don't want to see umpires not part of the game. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't. We'll, we'll see. Uh, here's one for you. The Yankees are five games out. The Padres are five and a half games out in their respective wild card races. Uh, Yankees get in. Padres get in. Both get in. Neither get in. Neither. I, I think we're probably at the point where we have to say neither. Um, the Yankees, I, I wrote this in power rankings. If you go back, remember first half last year, they were outstanding. In fact, they were on pace to break the Mariners single season win record. Uh, they were 35 and 35 in the second half. If you remember in the playoffs, even though they advanced, they had a losing record in the playoffs because they were swept by the Astros. They were three and six in the playoffs. Uh, and this year, they're only two games over 500. So if you add all that up since the All-Star break last year, in well more than a full season of, of baseball, they're below 500. It, it's they're one. It's one game under 500, but it's let's see. It was like 98 and 99, so that's almost 190 games. That's a huge sample of complete mediocrity. So I don't know why we would expect anything different moving forward. On the Padres' end, I mean, it's you know we're we're again we're 118 games in. At some point, that's just what you are. Yep. I do think that they're probably going to be better than the Diamondbacks the rest of the way. It's reasonable to argue they're better than the Reds the rest of the way. They're better than the Marlins the rest of the way. Um, but that still leaves the Phillies, Giants, and Cubs in the way. Mm-hmm. Or you know, if one of the division winners fell back, one of those teams. I just it just doesn't feel like they can run down those teams. You know, five and a half back, they're five back of the Cubs right now. Do we just talked about the Cubs schedule? Do you really think that they're going to be five games better than the Cubs the rest of the way? No. Um, do you really think they're going to be seven games better than the Giants the rest of the way? There's no way they're going to be eight and a half better than the Phillies. So I just it's hard to see them getting in. All right, back to my team. We've dared to dream with your team, Matt, <laughs> the Cubs, and and I'm a believer. And every once in a while, I get that belief with my twins. And when yeah. you have a rotation that is going to be Pablo Lopez, how good he has been at the top of it. Sonny Gray, we know Sonny his Gray. numbers throughout the yeah. course of the season. Kenta Maeda, and then figuring out Joe Ryan, if he can stop giving up home runs when he comes off the IL. That's a formidable top four. Mm-hmm. The young guys are mashing now. Walner, he's hitting the ball. He's showing that pop that we anticipated. Julian, dude's going to be an absolute star in his ability to do the bat. If the veterans could figure it out, not even win that wild card series, but even a step beyond that, does this team have a fighting chance if they get to the divisional round? Do they have a fighting chance? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you just you just made the case right there. I don't even have to say anything. <laughs> but, but for real, I, just think about... Um, I just tweeted something about it like last Sunday, so we're past that point now. But remember in 2021, the Braves were not even over 500 until August. They hadn't been over 500 for a single game until something like August 6th. They didn't even win 90 games in the regular season, and they won the World Series. (laughs) So, I I mean, it sounds funny to say, but it would not be beyond shocking for the Twins to win the World Series this year. They, they really do have the pieces to make it happen. Now, is it likely? Absolutely not. The most likely outcome is probably them losing early in the playoffs. Hopefully they at least, if they do that, would get at least a win and can snap that losing streak in the playoffs. But you could totally make the argument, well, you just did. Yeah. You know, with that pitching staff, you have the, the power arms at the back of the bullpen. If you got everybody in offense firing – and it hasn't really even happened yet. You mentioned the young guys, but also if you get the good versions of Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton in the playoffs as well, and let's just throw Joey Gallo in that mix for the heck of it too, uh, 
all of a sudden you've got a formidable postseason team. I mean, it's not that far off the Phillies last year when they had Noah and Wheeler piece it together in the bullpen in an offense that was very inconsistent but had a bunch of power bats that could show up at the right time. That's basically what we're talking about here. Uh, my last thing for you, baseball's best team, the Braves. What, what have you seen out of them this week? Is there, I mean, Strider's been, he's, he's got the win the other day, but I don't think he's pitching as, as he would say he was pitching at his best. Uh, where are you on the Braves right now? I mean, it's, it's kind of cruise control. You know, it, they're, yeah. they're up 11 games and the, they're up 11 games in the division. They're, they can't screw up the division. They just need to try to get as healthy as possible, which they just got Max Freed back. Mm-hmm. Kyle Wright should be coming back at some point. Then they need to see if they have Freed and Wright firing in all cylinders. They need to try to figure out Strider. Um, Elder's probably been bad more than he's been good at this point. So they would need to probably figure out, is Charlie Morton going to be your number four in the playoffs? Probably. He's a veteran. He's been through the battles. Um, then it's just a matter of hoping that everybody's right at the right time. And we've seen sometimes when the best team goes into the playoffs and everybody's right at the right time, whether it's the the Red Sox in 2018 or I will mention my Cubs in 2016. Um, but even they got behind 3-1 in the World Series. Mm-hmm. But there's also times when it's the 111-win Dodgers didn't even win a playoff series last year. Uh, I just mentioned in 2021 when the Braves didn't even win 90 games, they had the worst record in the playoffs, and they won. <laughs> they won it all, and that was the year where the Giants won 107 games and didn't even get out of their first round. So it's they've done everything they can do at this point other than, and I know it sounds so simple, but it really is just that simple, just hoping that everybody plays well at the right time because they've already set themselves up to be there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. They're home free. Um, They're they're baseball's best team for a reason. I I think you're 100% right. Maybe cruising a little bit, and they'll turn it on a switcher and get ready for the playoffs. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Matt, anything you got coming up at CBSSports.com you'd like to promote this week? Anything you know special coming out on uh, from your... Uh, not necessarily. No, we'll, we're gonna we'll see. I, I like at this time of year flying by the seat of my pants and seeing what kind of uh, material presents itself. So we'll see. We will talk to you next week, Matt Snyder. Thanks for doing this as always. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you, Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. As we talk a little MLB with our guy Matt Snyder, will be on the road throughout the entire playoffs. So that'll be good to get him on game sites, game day, World Series, Braves, Twins. You know, I picked that last year. That was I was a year ahead year. of my time, Trent. Well, well right? I, I wouldn't mind a rematch in 1991. Uh, that was... Um, look, the Twins are playing well. Playoff baseball is different. It is. And it is. it's been, for me as a fan, so frustrating. I mean, just so beat down. But you've won two series in your lifetime. I was 11 the last time. Well, that's true. You were young, I'm Trent. 43. But it's been a while. <laughs> that was a damn long time ago. Yeah. And 18 straight playoff losses. Not that's series really losses. No playoffs. Just games. games. Games, yeah. Unheard of. Nobody's had an 18. Have they had an 18-game losing streak this year? No. And they're awful. Terrible. 18 straight losses mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Uh, and that. Unfathomable almost, right? It is. Yeah. Not against the Yankees. They're not going to be there this year. No. Maybe that's not going to even needed. get in. Ding dong, the witch is dead. It's uh, just past 12.25. We'll take our time out, come back, catch up with Scott Dockerman. A lot of ground to cover with Doc. 
the media day from Friday, the kids' day, open practice on Saturday, Miller and Condon, back with Doc Trent's plays of the day before we get out of here at 1. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. iHeartRadio app now. The biggest pro football contests in Vegas are back and bigger than ever with $14 million in guaranteed prizes, only at Circus Sports. Enter in Nevada, play from anywhere. Two ways to win and no rake. Play Circa Million, where you make five picks against the spread each week with 100% payback. Or join Circus Survivor, where you select one team each week straight up. Last the longest to win it all. $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircusSports.com. They say there's no such thing as a free lunch, except when there is. And you can get it at Fat Charlie's. A free lunch when you bring a friend for lunch. Enjoy buy one, get one free on burgers and beer during lunch Monday through Friday at Des Moines' only upscale sports tavern, Fat Charlie's. At 121st in Douglas, just west of I-3580 off the Douglas exit. There is such a thing as a free lunch at 800 bets off. Miller and Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KX and all trends play of the day. Circus Sports sponsors those. Those come up about 10 minutes before 1 o'clock. Uh, I should mention this preseason AP top 25 is out. Trent Condon, Hawkeyes check in at number 25. I saw that. Just out of the coaches poll by a spot. Just in there in the AP poll. But I guess the good news is that week one game against Utah State all their highlights are going to be on Sports Center and College Football Live. Your top twenty-five team, you get a little more in the highlight package and on the bottom line too. Uh, is that a f- good spot for them to start? A fair spot for them to start? I think it's fair. Uh, we did ours for the Lockdown Network with the seventy different uh, college colleagues that I have over there. Mm-hmm. I had them higher. I had them in the teens. I had them at eighteen. I, I or don't 19. think that's unfair for you to put them. I in. had them ahead of Wisconsin. Yeah, as they should have been. And Wisconsin was 19. Anyways, they'll, uh, we've got a long way to go before we'll, we'll the We'll figure it out on comes. the field. Absolutely. Scott Dockerman, he writes for The Athletic, and we're grateful that he does, and he joins us uh, to talk about the Hawkeyes. You had a busy weekend, Doc. Thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm hoping to get a, a couple of deep breaths in here pretty soon. It's just been one topic to another to another lately. So, yeah, I was busy on the Iowa front. It was good to get back and see the Hawkeyes uh, and, and write about the Hawkeyes. But, yeah, uh, maybe if things slowed down just for a minute, it would it would be really helpful, you know, so I could catch my breath before the season. No, I get it. You, you played a role in the demise of the Pac-12 piece that came out of the athletic lengthy read. Very well done. So I guess let's talk about uh, the, the main takeaway, at least the uh, the biggest scare from the weekend, is Cade McNamara going down on uh, without contact, which always – uh, those those seemingly are those are frightening, um, but uh, by all accounts, Doc, it's um, I mean sure there's concern, but it it could have been a whole lot worse. Put it that way, for sure. I mean, and I thought it was. I mean, when he, he had it was kind of an awkward, bad slide, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, midfield there, and and uh, then he got up and you know, kind of you could tell like his right leg he was bothered him and. He pulled himself out of the, the scrimmage and then went to kind of immediately walked off the field with the training staff and went up to the training room and was there for about 45 minutes. And so you're like, oh, man, you know, here we go. This is good. You know, and, and Twitter, of course, uh, took it so well, <laughs> yeah. um, as you can imagine, or X, I guess it is. So, yeah, you're. I'm just immediately going through all the storylines of what could happen. But ultimately, it seems to be what Kirk described as more of a 
soft tissue issue that he's going to work with the training staff for the next, you know, wear him out is what he said for the next uh, week or so. And I, I kind of probably imagine that'll be the case. Saw a bunch of Deacon Hill did not get to see Joe Labus battling for that backup spot. Do we know what the injury is to Joey Labus? No, it's a soft tissue issue. Okay. That's really all we know. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty much been it. But you know, I, I guess I'd like to see him out there. Mm-hmm. And based on what I saw with uh, you know with Deacon Hill, he was he looked better, much sharper in the spring scrimmage than he did in the in the summer one. Um, I was not as impressed at all um, with him, and I think that that was probably added, you know, exasperated the concern. You know, when you're when you're talking about. Um, you know, the potential for having to be the starter. I didn't see anything that made me feel like, oh, boy, this is going to be a real improvement this year. So they really need Cade McNamara, let's put it that way. Mm. Uh, they had Brian Allen this weekend. Uh, was he maybe his biggest story on the defensive side of the ball as anybody? Well, I guess you could probably put him in that category. He certainly flashed, you know, and I think he's, he's elevated himself to the, um, you know, outside the – the rim there of getting in the rotation. I think he played really well. And, you know, I was really concentrating on so many different aspects and, and, uh, you know, the fact that he was just constantly around the ball and making plays, I think is, is really a, you know, is a key for that defense. I, I mean, I really focused heavily on the defensive side, watching the defensive tackles and, uh, they are all of that, that you want, um, in the YA black and Aaron mm-hmm. Graves and, Logan Lee didn't play as much. I assume that's just to keep him fresh. But and of course, Noah Shannon did not at all. But I think it was uh, it's pretty apparent that Y.A. Black and Aaron Graves uh, are two of the better defensive tackles in the country. Today at the Athletic, your article talked about the running back Caleb Johnson. He averaged over five yards a carry behind that hideous offensive line a year ago. The sky's the limit. He is as physically as opposing of a running back as Iowa's had probably since Sean Green. I don't think that's hyperbolic to say. Uh, Wadley and Goodson, those are guys more of a scat backs, you know, kind of that smaller back. That's not the case with him, and he's not alone. This backfield, you saw a couple of the young guys in Washington and Moulton. I thought they showed out a little bit on Saturday, too. After Caleb Johnson, he's going to be a stud, but is this is deep running back room as Iowa's had in a while. Yeah, probably since, uh, you know, what, the Four Horsemen or whatever they called themselves back yeah. in 15 with, with LaShawn Daniels and, and Wadley and uh, Derek Mitchell and Jordan Canzeri. I mean, that was a pretty good foursome there that they had. I think this this team or this unit is better, has higher uh, trajectory, and, pro- and that really has to do with Caleb Johnson. I think he is outstanding. I think he has real potential to be as good of a running back since Sean Green. And, you know, I like LaShawn Le- uh Williams, uh, I think he reminds me a lot of Adam Robinson, and uh, and that's a really you know that's a quality running back there, gained a thousand yards and you know or roughly close to it. And then you had um, you know I think Jazz Patterson has a lot of upside. I think he could pretty much be the number two if you know because he's such a different type of back than the uh, Caleb Johnson. So the younger ones, we'll we'll see. I. I Imagine they'll be either redshirting or play very sporadically, but but still, I, I like the depth of that unit, and I think Caleb Johnson could be one of the best in the Big Ten, and that's saying a lot because there's a lot of really good running backs in the Big Ten. That's for certain. Uh, to wide receiver, Doc, of the transfers, Caleb Brown or Seth Anderson, uh, either of those two catch your eye? Yeah, Seth Anderson did for sure. I mean, he really played, you know, he came up with some pretty big catches, and 
ran some good routes. I thought Caleb Brown displayed a lot of what they were looking for with him, you know, really, uh, you know, catching the ball across the middle and, and, and being able to really impress that way. So I think both of them are going to be real big factors and, you know, along with Deontay Vine. So I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, there were some areas where I was a little down on, but I, I think overall the, the receivers to me, I think really played better than I expected. And then you throw Nico Ragaini in there. I think they've got four pretty good ones that they can march out there every, uh, every game day. But it's all not going to matter if they can't block. And that was the problem the last two years with this offense. What did you see knowing that, yes, the defense is ahead of the offense because it is for 25 years of the Kirk Ferentz era. What did you see out of the offensive line? Um, overall, I, I thought they played pretty well. I thought center was really good. I thought Logan Jones played outstanding. Um, and again, you, you, you've also got to take it, not just that the defense is ahead of them, but who the defense is. That's a good defense. Yeah. That's one of the best in the country. So, you know, whatever they get against them is is pretty decent. I thought they ran the ball better than I expected. Um, I think there's some concern to me. It's probably at right tackle Jennings Dunker. It looks like a modern day Goliath and, and he probably will be a really good player, but I'm not sure right tackle is his position based on what I saw, but you know, they'll, they'll work with him because I think uh, some speed rushers got around him. Joe Evans got around him pretty quickly. Same thing with Deontay Craig and, and, and others. So I think that's uh, that's something that they got to constantly evaluate. But overall, um, I thought the left side looked pretty good. I thought they ran the ball better than I expected. And, and uh, you know, pass blocking the interior wasn't as bad as it looked at times. So I, overall, I thought it was uh, a plus as opposed to a minus last year. Doc, what do we, uh, if anything, do we take away from the fact that, that Iowa State's, the kids that were caught up in the gambling at Iowa State, uh, it's all out there now. We, we know all of that, uh, with the exception of what punishment awaits. Uh, and not saying that the severity is the same in Iowa City as it was in Ames with, you know, a couple of the players that were betting on or against their, their own team. Um, does, did Ferentz lead you to believe that there's going to be any clarity coming anytime soon? Because we, we've we heard names, um, but and, and they're still going through the practices, and they're starters in some cases. Um, but why why have we heard of names and not in Iowa City? Is, maybe, uh, is it overblown, the severity of uh, what potentially could happen in Iowa City? What's going on, do you think? Well, you look at the legal ramifications. That's probably where it starts. I mean, at, at Iowa State, uh, the ones who aren't practicing are the ones that are dealing with legal issues that, you know, you, when you compound what they're facing that way plus what they're facing from the NCAA, it's highly unlikely that they're going to have an opportunity to play, except for maybe Jake Remsburg. Um, I think in the case of Iowa, um, you know, the, the the ones that have really been, you know, hit with it. I mean, Aaron Blom was there. on I saw him on Saturday, but he wasn't dressed out. Did not see Jack Johnson. Um, you know, those are the two that have been charged. Um, so they, the ones that have been charged are not competing, at least in practice. Uh, however, the ones that are, you know, whether it's Noah Shannon or the other ones who we know their names, but they're rumored, you know, they've got an opportunity to play right away. So, you know, potentially it could be a two-week suspension or it could be six weeks, you know, something to that effect. So they're, they're making sure that they're getting ready, and I think that's probably the right thing to do. And I think in the case of Iowa State, it's each program for its own. But, um, you know, the ones that have been charged at, at Iowa State, I would I would definitely agree with Matt Campbell's philosophy because, I, I mean, uh, again, other than Remsburg, I, I don't see any of them 
playing again, at least this year. So I think this is uh, they're probably both making the right moves for their teams at this point. With that, Doc, wrapping up my last thing for you, the linebacker spots trying to figure out how Nick Jackson and Jay Higgins work together. What did you see out of that tandem trying to figure out who's in the middle and who's going to be to the side? Well, it's it's already been pretty much decided that Jay Higgins is going to be the middle backer and Nick Nick Jackson's going to be the weak side. I mean, and really, there's not a ton of difference. I mean, they both play. I mean, it, largely Iowa plays kind of a four-two-five, and even when it's in that four-three, the the outside linebacker plays, you know, more so over the tight end. So it, it's really there's not a lot of difference there. I thought they looked okay. I mean, it really wasn't. Um, you know, I didn't. I was looking at other positions, to be honest, <laughs> and I can't, I can't cut them all down. But I, I think they're okay there as the starters. I'm not sure about the depth. Depth is a concern for me because, mm-hmm. you know, a guy that they, you know, Tyler Fisher is probably their super sub. He'll be their Leo when they are in that package, and he's their backup will. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, Carson Shire has been out, and he's kind of the guy that they like next. Jaden Harrell got some snaps. They like him, but, you know, he hasn't really played. And, and Jackson Rexroth was out there playing a couple of positions. So they've got guys that they're looking towards, but they're very inexperienced. So that, to me, um, among the depth positions, outside of quarterback, I would say that uh, linebacker is probably my second biggest concern. Doc, what have, to depth. Well, what have you got coming up this week at the Athletic? Yeah, I wrote a um, wrote about Caleb Johnson today. I, I've got some stuff on some Big Ten things coming down the pipe, and then also uh, Jennings Dunker, who's kind of this uh, larger than life Paul Bunyan esque type mm. character, and he's he's got a personality to match his physique and his size. So I, I've got that coming up here in a couple of days, and and then we've got uh, Beth Guest introduced uh, you know in a press conference later this week so there's, there's going to be a lot of different things and who knows with gambling man every time you think you can take a breath yeah four people get charged good stuff thank you doc appreciate it we will uh, speak with you next week thank you scott doctorman all right have a good one guys yep, you the same scott doctorman uh from the athletic because we check in on iowa timeout trends plays of the day circus sports sponsor those that's next miller and con Des moines sports station 106.3 and feel free not only does central iowa sports provide a great environment for youth to play baseball and fast pitch but they promote sportsmanship in the game help players parents and coaches and their relationship with umpires central iowa sports also donates throughout the year to local iowa charities along with donating the awards to the iowa miracle league Central Iowa Sports, helping boost local economy by hosting local tournaments and creating great part-time seasonal jobs. Find out how you can get involved at Central Iowa Sports. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. Hi, Miller Condon. Welcome back. Well, we had fun, didn't we? What a place. It's incredible. It really is. It really is. Sportsbook is just, it's its the mecca. Watch the beginning of the Bears game. Watch the first half of that down at the book. Hoots and hollers as Justin Fields. Yeah, how about that? Through the screen pass and Oof. DJ Moore. He's got some wheels, huh? Yeah, left those guys behind him, did he not? That is a dimension we don't see a whole lot about. And got signed up for the contest and uh, come January, we'll be millionaires. We both will, Trent. Yeah. We're looking forward to that. I got to split mine, my, mine with my group. You're in it by yourself, but uh, it was fun. Such a, such a great, great place. Love the restaurants. Love the food. Love the rooms. 
Love the location. Mm-hmm. Fremont Street's unbelievable for people watching. I uh, had a blast. Um, not ready to go back for a couple more days, but maybe catch me on Wednesday or Thursday. <laughs> You'll be right back at it. So what are you betting on tonight? We got a lot of baseball. We are going to start things off. Give me the Astros minus 130 at Miami. It's our dude. Fromber. Fromber on the bump. You know we're going to go that direction. Here's an underdog for you. Give me the Oakland Athletics. What? Plus 195. Sears, they're lefty. He's been okay. Cardinals are okay against lefties, so that's kind of the direction on that one. Plus 195 against Michaelis. We'll take a stab. One more single play, and then we're getting goofy. Uh Give me the Giants, plus 120 with everything happening with Tampa. Yeah. Pretty good pitcher also in Walker for... The Giants. And Glasnow makes his return to he this. Does. Is his right? He's been on and the. You know, yeah, this is how yeah. I like to fade guys. So, a yeah. couple of things I really like with that one with the Giants. And then we're going to key a team with two two team parlays tonight because I like three favorites tonight. I don't want to bet them each individually. Let's put them together. My key is the Rangers and Scherzer. They mash lefties. They're going up against a lefty. So we're going to combine them with one bet with Arizona, minus 225. Merrill Kelly gets the ball for them. That's plus 128. The other one, the Rangers with the Mariners, who are minus 150. That's Logan plus 164. Gilbert. Logan Gilbert, another one of my guys. So that's the direction. A couple of two-team parlays. This is different. I don't do this very often. We'll see if it's profitable here this evening. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. We will grade your work tomorrow. Dane Mazzantani, if you're a Vikings fan, he's going to join us at 1230. Look forward to that. Uh, Miller and Condon, that's going to do it for us. Murph and Andy are up in five minutes. The drive with Heather and Sean, three to six. And every single uh, weekday starts off at 6 a.m. with the morning rush. Miller and Condon, weekdays 11 to 1. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 K.